Welcome to Technovation. I'm your host, Peter High. My guest today is Brian McCarson, who's the Vice President of the Internet of Things Group at Intel. A nearly 21-year veteran of Intel, Brian spent most of the past decade working on IoT and has a depth of experience and wisdom in that area that I look forward to mining with him. He also serves as a faculty member at the Ira A. Fulton School of Engineering at Arizona State University. Brian, welcome to Technovation. Great to speak with you today. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Brian, I, as I mentioned just a moment ago, you are uh, among the most experienced people around when it comes to the Internet of Things. And I wonder if you could just maybe uh, lay a little bit of the groundwork as somebody who's seen its evolution, even driven uh, aspects of its evolution. Where are we in, in the kind of uh, the process of IoT uh, from your perspective? Yeah, so this IoT journey began across a number of industries before even the term IoT was invented. But it was really isolated only to the most wealthy enterprises in the world. So, for example, automotive assembly and semiconductor manufacturing, uh, we're trying to make uh, robots smarter, use additional automation, uh, driven a lot by quality issues and the ultra high precision that's needed for those industries. And they could afford it given the, the, the relatively uh, high premiums they can offer for those products. And what we've entered into now is this era of affordability. The key technological ingredients that are needed to make the Internet of Things a reality have become so inexpensive that uh, basic units of compute are becoming one of the, the most uh, inexpensive assets in in the entire market right now. And so the cost of bandwidth, the cost of compute, the cost of storage, and, and the, the technological innovations that are overlaid on top of that now through the open source developer communities and all the innovation that's happening there is making this Internet of Things promise a reality in every industry. And, and that's what's really exciting about this time is it's a complete revolution in the accessibility of technology. So even industries that uh, you would never think of as being traditional, high-precision manufacturing processes, uh, for example, textiles um, is something that people normally consider to be relatively manual, um, is now being automated at a furious pace. Um, so uh, simply because those technological uh, capabilities are now here, they're available and they're ready. But we're still not quite there yet. There's some additional innovations that are needed, but we're at a very exciting transition time, in my view. That is exciting. And I know that one of the areas that you especially spend time in is the industrial space. Uh, and I wonder if you could take right. a moment and talk about some of the developments in industrial that have you most excited. Yeah, the one in particular is the accessibility of artificial intelligence. The what used to be the realm of science fiction uh, is now becoming a day-to-day -day reality in the industrial segment. And that's due in part because of how advanced the state of the art has become. Um, I started working in the precursors of, of artificial intelligence um, way back in, um, uh, you know, 20 plus years ago when just simple if-then statements were what people were trying to, uh, uh, to, to see if you could deploy that in a manufacturing environment to help machines stay 
on target, help them stay at their proper settings. Um, and, and that started to evolve in sophistication where those if-then statements became nested. And then those if-then statements became dependent on other variables and you started doing automatic queries of those variables. The complexity just started growing to the point that the machine learning uh, a concept was really brought to life and, uh, and started to be deployed uh, actively. And it, it's something that I was blessed to be working at Intel where uh, we we wanted to try to drive that state of the art of manufacturing capability because the the ingredients that we were building were were minuscule you know uh, transistor level uh, uh, processing it was dealing basically with scaled applied atomic physics if if you would and 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 applying AI to try to make that process more capable just seemed like a very natural evolution. And at the same time, outside the industrial segment, the world was exploding in innovations around deep learning capabilities and how to do image processing in innovative ways. And, and they're starting to see adjacencies where someone can have a fantastic innovation for um, you know, object detection using a camera, uh, detecting a fire on a security camera automatically and notifying the security of, uh, authorities or the fire department. Um, and, and there's adjacencies in other industries that we've been able to pull into the industrial segment, which has really made um, uh, a lot of uh, significant value propositions for factory owners to become uh, readily available today, improving the quality of products, improving the uptime of machines, the safety of, of workers in a factory environment. These technologies are starting to find a root in, in the world's factories. And uh, it's, it's beautiful to see how, how they're growing and getting incorporated into existing manufacturing infrastructure. You talked a bit about the intersection with AI, your own personal experience with it, and how you're also leveraging it. Just as you mentioned with HiOT, AI is one of those intimidating topics for many. It seems like science fiction. It sounds very expensive. Uh, and, and just as you described with IoT, the bar for, for leveraging AI and the methods of doing so are, are becoming uh, much more accessible to even you know small and mid-sized organizations to say nothing of of larger ones as well. Uh, talk a bit about its evolution as well as a bit more about the intersection between those disciplines. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, one of the things that I think has been uh, a remarkable discovery for uh, engineers like myself is understanding that, as I mentioned before, AI feeling like science fiction. Uh, and realizing that, okay, I need to find a better way of getting a better business outcome. And whether it's industrial, like what I've been specializing in for the last few decades, or whether it's in, in the retail segment, a smart cities deployment, uh, people are asking themselves, what can I do to get a better business outcome? Um, what can I do to, to improve employee engagement, customer engagement, machine uptime? And as they're asking themselves these questions, they're thinking about, but what role can AI play in this? Can I, can I use a camera to detect a quality defect that the human eye is incapable of spotting? And what used to seem like science fiction before, they're realizing, 
wow, I can do this with the same PC that I have next to my machine today. Um, I don't need completely customized hardware that is highly specialized, that the, the integrated uh, graphics processing unit that's on the same piece of silicon that has my very capable CPUs can actually be running my entire AI workload on an existing laptop or desktop that I already have uh, in my factory. I just need a way to unlock the potential of those transistors that I've already invested in. And, and so then they go to the next question. Okay, so then what kind of ultra specialized software is needed in order for me to do this? And do I have to go hire an army of data scientists? And this is where the, the beauty of innovation with the open source ecosystem comes to play. And the fact that developers are openly sharing online their innovations to try to better all of society at the same time through these open source initiatives, people are realizing, wow, okay, these technologies actually exist today in terms of the algorithms that I need. Um, I just need some scalable infrastructure to help me integrate that into my existing um, uh, factory environment, for example. And, and this is where you know, I personally and my team have been spending a lot of time in making that infrastructure available to the broad market for free with things that we do like our, our edge insights uh, efforts and edge controls efforts where we're trying to make those critical infrastructure capabilities free and accessible to the market. So now that you've already got the compute you need and the storage uh, and, and the connectivity, um, and, and you're finding the world is developing algorithms at a furious pace that you can port over to your application that don't necessarily require an army of data scientists to go deploy. And that infrastructure needed to actually scale that is becoming available and free as well, I think is going to help this market continue to exponentially grow. And that's what, that, that's what gets me really energized because Every customer I talk to who's giving these very complicated problem statements and, and then discovering, wow, I can actually solve this today. Uh, it's a very, uh, it's wonderful to see their faces light up when they understand this isn't going to break the bank and this isn't going to mean completely changing the entire infrastructure of how they do work. They can start getting that business value today. That's interesting. Another intimidating factor is the people component of it, which you you alluded to a moment ago. And I'd love to to delve a little more deeply into the topic. You know, there a lot a lot of uh, folks have been intimidated uh, that it requires uh, you know great people with PhDs in 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 artificial intelligence or or in in computer science to be able to maximize one's value in this area. Needless to say, those are people, there's a paucity of them and, and those that exist come very expensively. But I think I'm hearing you say, Brian, that the way in which this has evolved means you don't need an army of those uh, uh, very highly expensive and, and uh, not, not so available uh, people in order to accomplish what you need to. Talk a little bit more about that, that evolution of the people component. Okay. For sure. And it by no means do I want to trivialize the 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 uber geniuses that are out there as the, the data scientist community that are solving some of these incredibly difficult mathematical problems that are required to make some of these technologies scalable. But I also want to acknowledge all the immense work that that community has already done and published to the open source community. So that allows you to do things that you didn't think were otherwise possible. And, and to me, one of the 
most interesting analogies is uh, the evolution of DNA sequencing. If you look at, at 30 years ago, it, it took a, a professor of genetics to be able to perform a DNA sequence um, and actually get some meaningful results around that. Today, 23andMe, you can just uh, uh, submit a sample of, of your own skin cells, and within a few weeks, you have an entire genealogy, um, a history on yourself. Uh, unthinkable 30 years ago, and now for 100 bucks, you can understand your ancestry uh, today. AI is taking a very similar trajectory. What used to be reserved to the most elite data scientists 20 years ago because of these open source innovations is now becoming more mainstream. So the data scientists are continuing to expand the state of the art, but some of these fantastic capabilities are, are accessible through open source communities now that you can pull in. Um, and uh, you know, Intel has been embracing many of these as well through the work that's been happening with um, our, our investment in the OpenVINO toolkit. Um, we're using that as an open source community to help people understand how to unlock the full potential of the hardware that they already have. And so I'm expecting to see over time that uh, a seasoned data scientist um, can actually influence hundreds of companies, um, hundreds of organizations by focusing on addressing some of the scalable challenges of deploying AI. And, and that's where, where I see the, the market going. And so when I'm talking to people about, well, what does AI mean for me and what can I do? Um, I, I start asking them some, ask yourself some basic questions. Am I locking myself into a completely proprietary uh, stack here that I'm going to be dependent upon uh, that proprietary solution provider for any and every change that I make? Or am I embracing the open source community and looking for uh, community validated, community standardized solutions that I can then deploy at scale? And, and that to me is uh, going to be the difference between uh, a long term uh, business value that's extended for companies or something that's more short term, possibly meaningful and another breakthrough, but not going to develop the long term scale results that people might be looking for. Very interesting. You also alluded earlier to the fact that uh, you know Intel itself is is a, a big user of these technologies and disciplines, and it must be a very interesting spot that you occupy, Brian. In as much as you were influencing Intel's own use, as well as uh, impacting uh, customer organizations, uh, many different organizations outside of the company. Talk about the interplay between the. The, the playground you have within your own uh, four walls, so to say, and the means by which that then influences how you interact with other companies. Well, certainly it's been highly influential for me, having the pleasure to work with whom I think are some of the most you know, fantastic engineers on the planet, trying to automate Intel's own manufacturing processes. We had this vision a couple decades ago that um, we, we wouldn't wouldn't want to have humans continually doing potentially dangerous or manual or repetitive tasks. Um, we wanted to be able to upskill the workforce to instead of, of pushing the repetitive button to tell the machine to process, to process, to process, we would automate as much of that as possible and have the human be the observer of the automation system to look for enhancements and improvements. And eventually we wanted to be able to have raw materials come into a factory 
and finished goods come out without ever being touched by human hands. Instead, these humans would be supervising the process and looking for opportunities to improve. And, and watching that translate from uh, uh, a vision to a reality over the course of, of you know, 15 or so years at Intel was really a fantastic journey. Um, and, and watching uh, Intel be able to expand the capacity of, of sites by three or four X um, and, and with only a modest amount of hiring because the workforce was so upskilled and things were so automated, it really enabled us to enter this new era of highly efficient, scalable manufacturing capabilities. And then as the Internet of Things started to explode, it was really fun for me to be able to take some of those learnings uh, and then uh, work with the ecosystem to help show them how these can be propagated in a number of environments because the core ingredients had been commoditized. The core ingredients had become uh, much more affordable than anyone could, uh, could, could consider deploying them in their businesses. It's interesting. It also brings to mind, uh, Brian, as I hear you speak, the importance that people uh, think of the the topic of ecosystem, that there's a broader ecosystem one must curate uh, in order to br breathe life into this. Partners like an organization like yours, uh, you know, leveraging various open source uh, platforms as well, uh, you know, various other sources of talent and, and et cetera. Talk a bit about that concept, if you will, uh, how, how the, the curation of ecosystems is an important ingredient in making sure that you are successful on this journey. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I don't think most businesses, uh, if you, especially if you're thinking of the small and medium-sized business space, um, whether you're a, a, a retail uh, store or, uh, or, or a small factory or you're in the services industry, um, the, the thought of deploying your own proprietary and developing your own proprietary AI-based capabilities in, in, in your business is going to feel very cumbersome. Um, so in the small and medium-sized business space, uh, uh, what, what I look for and what I recommend is finding the right uh, system integrator or software vendor that has worked through some of these details to develop applications that are deployable today in your environment. Uh, there's a number of fantastic companies that are often uh, highly regionally specialized. So you can have someone down the street that you can call and send over if something doesn't go as you expect. Uh, so that, that ecosystem of technology ingredient providers uh, like Intel that are um, supplying the ecosystem with the fundamental components that are needed for these solutions and those system integrators or software vendors that are offering those as bundled solutions and the services that come with them. Um, that to me is something that I think is, is highly uh, attractive to small and medium sized businesses, especially when uh, rather than having an upfront cost of, of the hiring, the training, the development, uh, many of these companies are offering extremely economical subscription models. So instead of even having to think about carrying all that infrastructure, uh, you can just offer um, your, your employees or your business a, a monthly service fee per machine or per retail store uh, in order to have these kind of capabilities effectively delivered to you and supported.
Um, this is making it, I think, uh, extremely accessible for the small and medium-sized business uh, today. Whereas before it was really exclusive to those Fortune 500 companies that had the massive IT budgets that could afford to go develop these things and support these things in-house. Yeah, very interesting, Brian. I wanted to also ask you, as you look to the future, what are some things that excite you about the ongoing evolution on the topics we've been covering? Yeah, the thing that gets me super excited right now is the fact that we have all gotten so spoiled by the brilliance of the the way the data centers of the world have been architected. Um, when I download an app to my smartphone, uh, there's um, I can customize that device to make it very much uniquely my own. I'm, I'm only paying for what little bit of, of cloud space I occupy um, rather than having to have my own remote data center that I'm having to, to service uh, myself, right? We've, we've made it democratized in how the data center is managed. And those same capabilities of, of making applications virtual and seamlessly managed so that as hardware fails, other hardware that's available just picks up those tasks and, and makes it ultra high reliability and very, very easy for end users to enjoy the full breadth of innovations that are coming out. That whole cloud experience is working its way to the edge. It's working its way into the retail store, into the factories of the world, into cities, into classrooms, into uh, healthcare environments. And, and what I think we're going to see is that same evolution that we've all watched with how smartphones have made uh, advents and application deployments just phenomenally simple. We're going to see that same thing happening at the enterprise level as well at the edge. And what that means for factories, for example, is that we are soon entering an era where you can download AI-based applications that you know will be secure, reliable, scalable, and have those working seamlessly with controls-based applications that allow both the perception, the AI component, and the action, the, the controls component to work seamlessly together. That enables autonomy. If you think about the autonomous vehicle, it's that beautiful harmony of a sensing ecosystem and the control system that actually drives the car. And as autonomous driving is becoming more readily available in the market, first at the feature level and then soon at the full autonomous vehicle level, we're going to see those same evolutions taking place in retail stores, in healthcare, uh, in, in manufacturing, as autonomy becomes more available and we all can start to benefit from cloud-like experiences at, at the edge, in, in businesses, in classrooms, in, in hospitals. And, and that's the future that I see happening over the next 10 years. And it's honestly a, a very exciting one. An exciting vision indeed. Well, Brian, Brian McCarson, thank you so much for sharing your perspectives on the evolution of the Internet of Things, on artificial intelligence, and this compelling view of the future that you're anticipating. It's been a great conversation. My pleasure. Thanks for having me.